1: Since you wasn't up on it, life just missed my own sweet time.
0: Since age 24, I don't recognize simple things anymore. I don't
1: wanna be defeated. I don't wanna be defeated. I don't wanna be defeated. I don't wanna be defeated. Hey Shane, this is Brendan from New Braunfels. This a line is for Blowthar Michael Bishop. I changed my name too. He's the lead singer of the band Guar, which you'll recognize from the famous song Guar. <sighs> Good God, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Michael made the hard decision to leave the University of Virginia to rejoin the band. I tried to do a little research on UVA, but they didn't have a website, which makes sense because UVA can't put together three Ws. Now that Michael left, everyone's drinks on campus are warm because he was the only one who knew the recipe for ice. UVA is the home of the Cavaliers, which is the first time in history someone from Cleveland can say they're doing better than anywhere else. Hey Shane, bull-fucking-shit you were wearing shorts at Warped. At the San Antonio date, it was over 100 degrees and you were literally wearing a black jacket and pants. Speaking of Warped, that's the only place that anyone ever involved in a Guar show has been hot. According to Blothar, Guar is like the mafia, you're never really out. Which is really confusing because according to his girlfriend, he's never really been in. Guar can make fun of Trump all they want, but he doesn't even know they exist. Not just because they're not famous enough, but because they claim to have been created from the depletion of the ozone layer, Trump knows climate change doesn't exist, so how the fuck could Guar? The people that handle the blood in Guar are called AIDS, Shane. It makes it nice though, with all the extra people when they hit the road, they can hop on the HIV lane. It's crazy to me that Guar literally created their own bar just so they could get people hammered enough to listen to Guar. Apparently, it opens up after all the other bars close down because you'd have to be hammered to decide to go there in the first place. And Shane, you can't ask for fucking costume ideas on the day of Halloween. What the fuck? Do you guys have like a fucking boxing day for Halloween in your backwards-ass country? Fuck you, dude.
0: Oh, a little hate line action. I told you I'd roll out a clip sooner or later. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. Episode 102? 102. I uh, can't believe it's been that many It's so cool And we have a great episode this week I talked to a total rock star Josh Todd You know him from Buck Cherry You might know him from his new solo side project Josh Todd and the Conflict Wonderful to have him uh, It's a great episode Sit back, enjoy I can't wait for you to hear this one And of course, once you're finished listening to this Go back and listen Because we got 101 other episodes, you know, just chilling back there. You just, you click on them, you, you play them, you go boop, and they play. But Hey, it's great to have you back. Um, this podcast, as you know, I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or the front woman of a band. And of course, if you want to get in touch with me, it's super easy. You can email me lead singer syndrome at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, just search. We come right up. It's real easy to find me. And as I'm recording this, I am like freezing cold in the back of a tour bus. We are in Thunder Bay, Ontario. If you don't know where that is, it's just, just keep going north. Just drive north very, very far and then keep driving north even further and then a little further and then you'll get to Thunder Bay. And we're here on a day off on a pretty cool tour. Uh, Silverstein is headlining across Canada, dipping into the U.S., With a band called Seaway supporting us. It's really, really good times. So make sure if we're uh, rolling through your town, you pick up tickets. And also, Silverstein, we're making an announcement this Wednesday. So, you know, keep keep your, your ear to the ground a little bit, whatever it is, and make sure you're following Silverstein on all the social media as well because we got, you know, we got a cool thing we're announcing. I want to thank everybody who listened to last week's episode with Blothar of Guar. It was a really, really great episode. The feedback has been terrific. Of course, if you aren't happy, if you think I do a terrible job, feel free to call the hate line. As you know, I do roll out clips. So it's one, that's if you're, you know, you need a country code because you're outside the United States or Canada, plus one, 657 666 hate. Again, that's 657-666-H-A-T-E. Give me a call. Leave me a message. And uh, yeah, I love the hate. So give it to me and uh, let it rip. Don't hold back. And of course, if you want to help out the show, the best way to do that is to check out and become a member of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. For as little as $6 a month, it gets you in. You get bonus episodes you get merchandise sent to your house every three months. You get interaction with me on the Facebook group. We also have a new Instagram page. I do a Q&A every month. I just did one yesterday. It was a lot of fun. I take your questions. Sometimes I play some tunes. And we really just do have a great community between me and all the other fans of the show. And trust me, you're going to make a lot of new friends. So check it out. The link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Anyways, let's jump in to this week's episode and my conversation with Josh Todd of Buck Cherry. Hey, you all crazy bitch,
2: but you fuck so good, I'm on top of it, when I dream, I'm doing you all night, stretch yourself down my back to keep my right on. Hey, you all crazy bitch, but you fuck so good, I'm on top of it, when I dream, I'm doing you all night, stretch yourself down my back to keep my right on. Oh, okay, um, yeah, I'm good uh, Out here on the road, just started uh, Josh in a Conflict Year of the Tiger Tour, it's going really good
0: Nice, nice, yeah, Year of the Tiger The title, I uh, I was Curious about the title, first, first of all, the track The title track is, is like Insane, it's so heavy um, I didn't know what to expect It's it's very, very heavy, you're pretty much Screaming through the whole thing How's that, how was that experience? Because that's got to be the heaviest thing you've done, at least in a very Long time
2: um, not really. You know, like my roots are, you know, is my all my all my roots are like punk rock records and independent records. And, you know, I had a band in L.A. called Slam Hound for a long time, prior yeah. to getting in Buck Sherry, you know. And I wrote this record called Resentments, and uh, <clears throat> it was a lot of fun. You know, it was a lot heavier than, you know, the stuff that I eventually got into, like more on the traditional rock, uh, you know, format but um so i just wanted to get back there i wanted to create something kind of you know different and away from buck Cherry so that i had two situations i could build over time
0: definitely no i, I think it's cool and the, the what's the reference to the title of the record because i was like okay you're the tiger he must be born in the year of the tiger or something but no you're a year of the no, dog
1: no.
0: so so what's no, the yeah, what's yeah. the reference there
2: well it was like that was the song that really kicked off the record songwriting process it was one of the first songs that stevie and i wrote for the record and we were just so fired up about that song and um you know i i accumulate titles you know of wh- wherever i'm at when i'm reading books when i'm on the road or whatever grabs me i jot it down and i have like a whole list of titles and anyways i got that music and um at the time, I was like really engulfed into the the Hannibal series and Narcos and um, yeah. all these shows, you know. And um, I don't know if you've seen the Hannibal series, but there's a uh, there's one char- despicable character in there that uh, has a bunch of pigs and he fe- he feeds uh, people to his pigs, you know. And I right, thought right, sure. that is such a disturbing way to go if you're going to go, you know. And um, I'm I'm pretty fascinated with the animal kingdom. So, anyways, it got. It's pretty literal Year of the Tiger, you know, like, um, I created this character in that song that, you know, had kind of burned every bridge and was running and, you know, eventually he gets caught and is fed to tigers.
0: Okay. I get it. No, no, it's cool. And it's, and it's, uh, it's cool that you're doing this thing, this solo thing, taking a bit of time from Buck Cherry. Um, what's going on now with Buck Cherry? Um, obviously Stevie's in the band too, but, um... Is that something? Is this something you're going to do for a while, kind of like an album cycle, and then go back?
2: Buckcherry is in sure? the best place. Buckcherry is the best place it's been in three years. It's a band again, and uh, it's great. I mean, we did a lot of touring last year, and um, we've been doing a lot of touring with Buckcherry, and it was time to give it a rest. You know, we've also done a lot of shows this year with Buckcherry. We started doing shows back in february so you know it's not like we haven't done shows we've done a a bunch of shows with the new lineup and we got a show coming up on december 16th and temecula we're doing we're doing you know shows here and there around the uh the tiger tour but um i'll get back to that uh once i'm done with this i really want to pay attention to it and and build it up and then eventually i'll go make a buck Sherry record and do that
0: do you find like um you know i've you know, my band is relatively successful, definitely not on the, you know, multi-platinum level like, like Buck Cherry. But when I started doing solo stuff and doing some of my, my own side projects, it kind of threw me off a little bit. Because you kind of have certain expectations that you got used to, you know, over the years. Whether it's how you're traveling, you know, just the sheer amount of people coming to the shows. Is that yeah. hard with a new project Just to just to kind of like... Suck it up a little bit and be like, okay, this is a new thing. This is still at its grassroots. People don't know every song yet. Is that difficult?
2: It's really difficult, and it's that's a really great point. You got to really kind of abandon all your old thinking, you know. And uh, it's super challenging in that regard. But like, I don't know why you do this, but when the reason I I do this is because it really was my outlet. It was my escape. It was my everything so that that's why i got into music i didn't get into music for like the traditional ways some guys get into rock bands you know like for pussy and fame and all that i did you know that's not why i got into this i got into this because i really enjoyed uh writing stories you know like i started writing lyrics like the very first day i rehearsed with a band in a garage so you know like that was like the turning point for me and and that's when i was like this is amazing and i want to dedicate my life to this and and that was the turning point so like creating this was just a total labor labor of love i love building something from the ground up and yes it is humbling at times but um you know that's kind of where the magic lies you know is is like kind of understanding like I, there's a lot of stuff that i didn't understand about the new way of building a, a rock band of course in this new day and sure, age. it's all different it's now. like it's so different, you know, and, and Buck Cherry has the foundation and we can go out there and do our thing and it's there, you know, thank God, you know. But uh like the new way of doing things has really taught me a lot and it's um it's given given me a whole new bag of tricks that I will bring into the Buck Cherry fold at some point as well.
0: I know it's amazing too, just like just even with something as simple as record sales. Like, you know, these days you put out a record, record and it sells a certain amount and you're like, is this good? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you're yeah. used to no, like, you oh, you gotta, this is a good first You to completely forget about it. <laughs> you have to. You have to. And now there you have is to... There's
2: no such thing now as record sales. It's like, no. it's bullshit. It's all nonsense. You know? I know. And it's
0: just so he, crazy.
2: Even if you have like a top five song on active rock radio, it, it doesn't really mean much. You have to really... You know, we live in an ADD society now. Like, everybody is infiltrated with information like 24/7 they're literally looking at stuff they're looking at over a hundred things an hour you know is so, that a
0: statistic I didn't know that that's that's wild
2: yeah yeah that is a statistic I mean they're 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 looking at over a hundred things an hour from their friends on YouTube sure. on a link here something there somebody shot them this here they're they're literally checking their Instagram maybe. I don't know what the last time I checked, but it was like every 40 seconds or every like couple minutes, you know, that's what we're dealing with. You know what I mean? And so it's hard to pe- have people go, Hey, are you focused on my record coming out? Are you going to come to my show? <laughs> do you, do you even fucking know about it? You know what I mean?
0: No, totally. And And it's especially like with my band doing so many music videos, I feel like we do a music video and then it's like, it's just gone. You put it out and it's up and it's, it's there for a week. And then it's like, does anyone watch it anymore? Which, which brings me, you know, I wanted to ask you about your video for, for your song rain, because that's a great video and probably a video that, I mean, I hear, maybe I see the Narcos uh, a little bit now that you mention it. Um, But you know, you know, that's the kind of video that at least it tells a story and it's something, it's not just, you know, there's nothing wrong with a bunch of guys in a white room, but you know, I feel like you have to make content that's gonna, you know, stand up and hold up a little longer.
2: Yeah, it's it's really weird. You don't know what people are going to react to. And so whenever that's the case, you got to really do what's true to your, you know, your art and what you want to create, you know, and usually it translates, you know, people can see the passion and, and what's going on, you know, and, and that that video like was really, really cool. It was really great to work with Billy Jane again. We've done a bunch of videos together and and it, it kind of turned into To Live or Die in L.A., like that type right. of vibe, you know. It started in a way different place, you know. I wanted more of a Tarantino-type uh, scene in a fucking, like, Western saloon and everybody dies at the end. But we didn't have the budget <laughs> for that, so uh, that's when we got to that.
0: No, no, it's it's a great video. People should check it out. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I mean, you made the record with... Um, with Eric Kretz, who's you know most known for playing drums in Stone Temple Pilots, <laughs> yeah. um, was it different for you making a record, kind of you know with you sort of at the helm along with him, rather than the Buck Cherry you know major label machine probably looking for a single, looking for hey we got to make this kind of record. Was it a lot different that you could kind of do you know, for lack of a better phrase, whatever the fuck you wanted.
2: Actually, it's completely different. This is the first time we've been on a major label in a while. You know, like Buck Cherry wasn't on a major label. You know, oh, okay. this is a, this this is considered a major label record. And uh, going in, you know, Stevie D co-produced it with uh, Eric Kretz, and Ryan Williams engineered it, and he did all those Brendan O'Brien records. So, oh, yeah. you know the the mentality I have of making a record is to be really prepared prior to getting into the studio. So we uh, we were well rehearsed. We had all the songs, all the arrangements. There was no bullshit going in. There was no, like, oh, what are we going to put here? We don't have anything for this section or anything like that. It was just going and recording. We recorded that whole record in 11 days.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I mean, I think I heard somewhere a long time ago that, that your 15 record, Buckcherry record, was recorded in only 15 days.
2: 15 days. So, that's
0: correct. You know, so I guess that's, if that's something that you've done in the past, for me personally, I'm like the worst. I'm like writing lyrics the night before, like I have to sing a song on the last day of tracking. So, um, I can't relate to that, but that's, that's good for you that you have that, that ability, you know, to be like, all right, we're going to put a, a date on this and we're going to get it done and record it. And, and I, I, I have a lot of respect for that.
2: Well, I don't like to waste time and money, you know, like sure. I would rather spend all the time like writing and rewriting and writing and rewriting and doing all that. You know, in uh, in a dirty rehearsal room, and then just go in there and fucking you know capture the moment. You know, capture the live true essence of the band. You know,
0: absolutely, absolutely, man. Well, I want to go back to some of the early days and talk a little bit about some of the stuff that happened with Buck Cherry because it's it's a very interesting story, and I don't think you get a chance to you know do a long format and talk about it. But I know you are mm. from you are from you know Orange County, California, and you have a bit of a punk rock kind of background. Um, talk to me about that and what it was like growing up you know i guess i guess in the 1980s uh you know in the los angeles suburbs how was that for you
2: i mean it was a big movement at the time when i was a youth you know but there was music all around me like my uh my mother used to uh clean the house and listen to like rod stewart and willie nelson and kenny rogers and and like the eagles and those type of records and and my sister or my older sister was uh she was into all the Prince Air bands, you know, like Prince, Apollonia Six, uh, Vanity, uh, what is it? Vanity Six or something? Mm-hmm. Maybe I got, maybe I have that wrong. But anyways, Healy, E, The Time, all those records, um, Yaz, and I started listening to all the, I sneak in her room and listen to her records, you know, <laughs> but yeah. I was also pretty angry inside, you know, and, um, I, there was just a lot of dysfunction going on in my life, you know, so, i really gravitated towards punk rock music i i really liked the honesty of the records you know these were these were bands that weren't making uh records for major labels they had no rules they yeah. said what they wanted to say and it was a very honest interpretation of what was going on inside of them you know and so those were the records that really spoke to me and i i really loved
0: that absolutely and in your family structure was was did you have like do you live with your mom and your sister was your dad not in your life was that you know, part of the anger or or what, what really stemmed from that?
2: Uh, There was a lot of stuff, you know, um, my mom was married a few times. Uh, my father, uh, my father committed suicide when I was 10, you know? So, you know, there was just, um, just a lot of stuff going on. I became like this kind of like, my mom worked full time. And so, uh, we had a lot of trust in our house, you know, as far as like, (laughs) Uh, my sister and I were kind of on our own a lot, you know, in the house. So I became kind of a, still a a bit of a wild animal, you know, for, for a lot of my youth, you know, so, um, I would just seek things out and find ways to, uh, fulfill my, you know, crazy universe that was going on.
0: So when was it that you got enamored with, with music, you know, so much, whether it was punk rock or whatever it was that you're like, okay, I got to start a band. I got to start, you know, making my own music. When did that happen?
2: It was weird. You know, I wanted to be a professional surfer for a long time. So I surfed every day for, you know, a long time. And, then, still surf? um, I don't surf as much. I got kind of into uh go-kart racing and I have kids and I have a lot of stuff <laughs> that, that <laughs> occupies sure, my time, sure, but, um, it. but, uh, like, so I was really kind of obsessed with surfing at the time. And then, um, one of my surfing buddies was a drummer, you know, and uh, he knew I had a, I don't know, you know what, like, to this day, I don't understand how they wanted me to sing, because I wasn't really a singer, you know, and <laughs> and so, I don't know if I was 15, I think I was around 15, They they had a band, it was the only band in school, actually, and they were like, why don't you come down, we need a singer, and so I was like, alright, so I went down there, and I I plugged a microphone into a guitar amp <laughs> yeah. I just remember my 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 voice was like all distorted and and uh I was just screaming you know and yeah and but that makes
0: it sound so much better when you do that right because then no one can actually hear if you're in key or not <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> and you're probably not yeah, I, was, I was I was horrible and and they were only playing covers and I was like, hey, something inside of me just said, hey, you guys wanna let's write an original song like I was like and I just started like kind of running the show and I said. I asked the guitar player, I go, do you have any original like guitar riffs? And he played one and I just got down on the ground and started writing lyrics and we wrote a song that day, you know, and that was like, that was it. Uh, that was when surfing went on the back burner and right. I was like, this, this is all I want to do.
0: No, that's amazing. And, and like, I'm, I don't know, I don't know my, my time, my time frames here, but like, I assume this was like the mid eighties something like that. Uh, yes, it was. And that's, like, when all the hair metal stuff was going on. I mean, punk rock was yeah. going on, too. But you're right there in California, like, where all that's happening. Was That a, that must have been something you couldn't avoid, you know, being influenced by.
2: Um, I wasn't really influenced by it, honestly, you know. Like, but what um, about, the,
0: what I, about, like, the decadence of it, the rock and roll, you know, that whole thing? The Motley Crue.
2: i got to be totally honest with you. When I saw bands like Winger and White Lion and... Yeah. And like slaughter and shit like that on MTV. I just thought it was so lame. Yeah. I really did. I, as a kid, I just thought it was ridiculous. You know, I didn't listen to a major label record till I was like 17 and all the, 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 the first like real rock records I got into was like ACDC, Metallica and Led Zeppelin. You know, that was like what I like started listening to. And then cut to like there was all this like, you know, cro you know, cock rock coming out and I, <laughs> I just, I didn't understand it, you know? I thought it was, um, contrived and lame and, and then, um, until GNR came out. Then GNR came out and, and I saw Axel. I only gravitated towards like singers that I thought, like, I could, that were cool, but that chicks wanted to fuck too, you know? Like, right. and, and like all those, like, cock rocky dudes were like they just seemed like such fucking jagoffs to me but like when i saw like ian asbury from the cult and i saw like uh axel rose i was like these dudes are fucking badass they had edge and um they were also like really really great really powerful frontmen, you know so when gnr came out i just remember uh seeing a sweet child of mine video and i kind of like Like I didn't really get the Welcome to the Jungle video, and because his hair was all like teased up, and I thought it was lame. And then when I saw the when I saw like the Sweet Child of Mine video, I was like, "This is fucking dope. This dude is badass," you know. So that's when I kind of started getting into more of you know traditional rock type stuff. And but ACDC was definitely the the foundation for me as far as that is concerned.
0: That's definitely and like you know, Buckcherry is known as a bit of a hard partying band. Uh, at least that's your image. Um, you know, it's it's funny now 'cause you're you know, you're a family man. Um, you know, you got a couple kids and a wife and all that. But I imagine those early days when you guys were forming were pretty crazy.
2: Um, my all my partying days were before Buck Cherry. People get this thing that Buck Cherry was his party man. Yeah, we have songs like Lit Up yeah. and Crazy Bitch, but there's like so many other songs that aren't about partying you of know, course. and Buck Cherry catalog so you know it's funny that we get labeled about that but you know like lit up I wrote literally I just came in the room and Keith was the the whole band was playing and Keith had that riff and I just started singing and I just sang about the first time I I did cocaine that was it you know and it was like I've been sober 23 years in November so
1: congratulations
2: yeah so it's not what everybody thinks. We were just, um, we hosted the party. We had a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> That's funny you bring up crazy bitch. I remember um, I bought my mom an iPod, an iPod, like back, you know, when they were kind of like the new thing, you know, whenever it was mm-hmm. probably like, you know, she wanted an iPod. So I, so I I bought it for her and I was showing her how to put, um, you know, some music on it and whatever. And I'd, I'd already put like some of her favorites, which was like, you know, Led Zeppelin and uh, Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that. And I asked her if there's anything she wanted. And she goes, oh, oh, there's this song I keep hearing on the radio. I just like it so much it's it's the, the you know the the crazy bitch song <laughs> and i uh, and i always whenever i hear hear about your band you know whatever it comes up i always think of that story and i was like okay mom let's go let's go we'll buy it on itunes and we'll put it on your ipod and and we did <laughs> That's so cool. yeah yeah no it's it's funny i mean uh, th- apparently like i don't know if there's if this is true about the the crazy bitch video shoot where the director or whoever just invited a bunch of whoever women down to get naked and filmed it what was that like for you
2: especially Um, being sober at the time oh it was fun you know like (laughs) i'm not dead i'm like you know uh it was it was a lot of fun um it brought out you know the true essence of the song and it's funny, I never would have thought that song would have been taken on the life that it, it has taken on over the years. You know, it's it's just crazy. That song was like just laying around for three years before it got on a record, so um it's cool. I mean I'm I'm super grateful. That's that's what you work so hard for is to have a hit song.
0: Yeah, I know totally. Life. I mean I mean you brought up you know, honesty in records you liked, you know, growing up and there's always been a sort of like you know, a rock band's like, whether it's Led Zeppelin saying, I love the way you squeeze my lemon, or, you know, or, or whatever, you, you know, example you want to use yeah. about, about a band really talking about sex, but they, they're masking it. You know, that song, you literally are just saying it. You know what I mean? Do you think that that, <laughs> that that for people was like, oh shit, like, he's just saying it. Like, do you think I that did, that I was a I, big factor?
2: You know, I just think it was the right song at the right time, you know, like all that nasty shit now is going on in hip-hop. Like, the lyrics in hip-hop music, is it's just crazy what they're saying. I fucking love it, you know? And and there's, you know, I really uh, think rock has been in such a bad spot because it's just, I I don't know, you know? Like, I don't want to say that there's not great rock music out there because there is. So, but when I listen to, like, active rock radio all the bands kind of are morphing into one band. They all kind of sound the same. Nobody's really kind of like, I don't really understand where they're coming from lyrically. It's not like it's not like a celebration anymore. It's not like fun. Nobody's talking about fucking anymore and partying. <laughs> and it's like you have to go to pop music and hip hop music for all that stuff now. And that's why I feel like rock is just, you know, it's, it's kind of, like, depressing, you know, everything that they're speaking about in rock music now, you know. So um, I hope that all changes, you know. I hope that it gets fun again and there's guitar heroes again and there's, like, really charismatic frontmen, you know.
0: Right. Well, you got a guitar hero in your band, that's for sure. Uh, well, yeah. do, well, you bring up the interesting thing about hip-hop, and it's something that doesn't get talked about. Why do you think in hip-hop, and, and hip-hop is mainstream, let's be honest. Like, that music sells more than anything it's mainstream and they're saying you know raunchy shit and and there's
2: there's dudes there's guys now talking about their dicks like like you know like they don't give their dicks for free and i'm like this is fucking rad man they have totally (laughs) they've totally turned the tables on like you know where it was like total girl power and (laughs) You know, the pussy is, the pussy is fucking, you know, sacred and, and now they're just like, you want this dick, you got to fucking put out, you know? So, um, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty funny. I really enjoy it.
0: But why is there such a difference between hip hop and rock like that? Like you guys go out and you say that, you know, um,
2: and people are
0: all up in arms about it, I'm sure. And people are covering their children's ears and, you know, and, uh, which is maybe okay let's be honest but i don't i don't yeah. know why it's so different do you have any speculation on on why i mean
2: it's it's the forbidden fruit it's like awesome you know you want to fucking you know when you're a kid coming up you, you you're in your little clique at school and everybody's you know what your your hormones are fucking crazy and you're you're just doing all kinds of crazy shit you're testing the waters you're getting fucked up you're going to parties you're having a great time you, you don't have many responsibilities and that's the beauty of of you know adolescence you know and and i just think that that's what that's what uh all these rock bands got to start thinking about like man le- like write a record that's like something that you're going to remember that that's that summer a kid's going to remember you know like back in black was you know like yeah like like fucking you know the aerosmith records like all that stuff at led zeppelin you know like that would be fantastic
0: no, I, I couldn't have said it any better than that. And yeah, it's, it's funny. I that was a great. I mean, ACDC was the the obvious. Like you know, she told me to come, but I was already there. That's the like yep. epitome of the the Amazing. sex. Everyone knows what that means. But yeah, Sexually everyone goes everywhere. Exactly, and fucking, exactly, yeah. and it's great. You know, you talk about how you've been sober for twenty three years. You're a family man. You've got kids. You know, and all this stuff. But I feel like you have this sort of outlaw you know, um, a persona about you and you're a hell of a nice guy. Um, where does that come from? Is that something that you try to try to, you know, keep up in terms of a reputation? Is that something you think is important to your fans or do you not really care at all? Uh,
2: you know, um, I have a hard, you know, I've always had a hard time in social situations. I don't really enjoy like big crowds of people and socializing and it's just not my, it's never been like something, that was awesome for me. So a lot of people think I'm a dick, you know. And until they, until they get to know me, and I, you know, I kind of keep my circle of friends very. Uh, I can count them on one hand, you know. So um, I don't do that on purpose. It's just the the way I am. Like when I go out, I want like a task to do. Like I'm I'm good. Like if there's something to do, but if there's nothing to do, I really don't care for small talk and hanging out and all that kind of stuff. And and that's when people think I'm a fucking big asshole. So um <clears throat> uh I don't know, you know. Um I just I like to work, you know, I like to create, um and that's it. You know, when I'm not working I, I like to just tend to my to my kids and my home life and, and that's that's kind of me.
0: How old are your kids now?
2: I got one that's twenty three, I got one that's uh 11 and i got one that's gonna be uh
0: eight wow 23 i didn't know you had a 23 year old um i do
2: yeah is that a, is
0: that a boy or a girl girl and and is that like your everything i mean that must be so rad to have i mean she's watched she's amazing whole career. I, mean, she's, I mean that's
2: she's uh she's a big reason why i got sober i didn't want her to see me fucked up i was a i'm a really really bad alcoholic and drug addict you know so like uh when she was born I didn't, I, I had to break the chain, you know, and that was, uh, she was a big part of that.
0: They always say that. Yeah, I don't have any kids, but they always say that, that it's like almost instantly when you have a child, something in you changes.
2: Listen, I love kids. Like I love, they're so honest and amazing and like, they're, they're incredible. So, you know, if you, if you haven't had kids, you got to do it, you know, you got to do it. <laughs>
0: I'm not getting any fucking younger. That's for sure, man. Um, dude, this is this is rad so far. Um, I want to talk about the just the whole Buckcherry thing and how you guys basically had pretty pr- two pretty successful records. Um, you know, one of which which you know with lit up went gold, um, and then you guys went away for a while. It looked like you were going to start another band. It looked like you were going to be a member of Velvet uh, Velvet sorry Velvet Revolver for a second. Then all of a sudden. <laughs> Buckcherry is back, and bigger yeah. than ever. That like that mm. is something to be proud of. I mean, that's crazy.
2: Yeah, you know, that was a weird time. It was a weird transition, and everything happens for a reason, you know. And um, and I'm glad we had that shot. And everybody told us everything we couldn't do, and we just did it. I like, there's there's no there was nothing on paper that said Buckcherry was going to be successful at that time. No one would sign the fifteen record. No one in the United States would sign that record. So our our manager created his own label to put out the record, Eleven Seven Music, and um, and that's how we got it out. And we got a little money from Japan. That's why we could only make the record in fifteen days. We only had a little bit of right. money, and um, just it was it was a collective thought. That's why that it all happened because we were all kind of at that. We were right there on the edge, you know, we knew there was, this was it, you know, and uh, we went for it and it all worked out.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, No, and I guess after your second record, I don't know what happened with Buck Cherry, but, you know, exploring other things and, and like, I know you were playing with some of the guys from Guns N' Roses, what was that experience like? And is there any regret there or, or almost the opposite, almost relief, you know, knowing now that it worked out, you know, with the comeback?
2: Um the GnR thing was like a month out of my life and uh, oh
0: was it okay it's it's always built up to be a bigger thing you know so
2: yeah it was way before it was ever called uh Velvet Underground you know or Velvet Revolver I almost sorry. said Velvet Underground
0: uh, too <laughs> Yeah
2: um it all came about you know like <clears throat> Keith and I had got off the Time Bomb tour which was a complete debacle and 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 uh you know two of the guys had quit from Buckcherry and and, and then, We fired one guy and two guys quit and then it was just Keith and I holding the fucking the the fort down again and we were just in there making demos for uh the third buck cherry record. We hadn't been dropped from our label or anything like that and one of those songs was crazy bitch. So um we wrote we were writing songs and Slash uh called up Keith and said, Hey, there's this Randy Castillo benefit at the key club. Do you guys wanna do some songs with me me, Matt, and Duff? and uh we said yeah sure so we did uh we did a a sex pistol song some buck cherry songs we did a couple aerosmith songs steven tyler actually came up and sang too and cool and it, it was just a lot of fun you know we had a we had a lot of fun and and then after you know cut to like a week later i was talking to keith and i'm like this is that was it felt really good to be like in a great rock band again and uh so we thought we'd call them up and they were thinking the same thing. And so we became a band for like a month and that was it. We were like in writing songs and rehearsing and, and then all of a sudden uh, slash abruptly just came in and pulled the plug on the whole thing.
0: Oh, okay. Well, well, Hey, I mean, you know, regardless, it, it paved the way for something very special. And, you know, I don't know if I, if I have the numbers right, but I think, that that um, fifteen record almost sold two million copies just in the U.S. alone, not to mention the success everywhere else in the world. I and mean, that is like, that's pretty crazy because that's that was sort of right after the curve of when records weren't really selling anymore.
2: It's really crazy. It's really crazy because exactly what you're saying, and the fact that it was a rock record. You know what I mean? Like, with rock was not doing great, it was declining massively.
0: No. And especially like, you know, that kind of rock, you know what I mean? It was, it it was a bit of, in some ways, a kind of a throwback, you know, like when I watched the videos and stuff, it was like, Oh, this is like what rock and roll is all about again. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's those influences. It isn't Kings of Leon or, or, you know, like whatever at the time was more, (laughs) you know? So, so I I guess that's part of why the labels didn't want to sign you. And then talk to me about, did they come crawling back after this this success? I mean they must everyone must have wanted a PCU. Of
2: course, of course. Crazy Bitch popped and everybody wanted to be our friend and Atlantic Atlantic Records up, you know. Uh, we had an upstreaming clause with Atlantic Records because we were distributed through them.
0: Oh really? And, okay.
2: And of course they were they wanted us with open arms. They were like, Okay, we're ready for you, but they wouldn't sign us before that. So, you know, I have my stuff with major labels, you know, as far as like I take it all with a grain of salt you know it's like you got to just be careful about you know what you put into all that you know what I mean so the the bottom line is it all worked out we became successful because we got upstream we got to get sorry out which was you know up there as far as a, a great song for us up there with uh, crazy bitch so yeah, it was good yeah.
0: that's awesome man and, and now with the new with the new band um The you know the solo project and everything going on the conflict. Um, You're on tour with Hinder right now. When when you're playing these shows, I mean, it must be different for you. You're you're, you know supporting, uh, playing a shorter set. I don't. I assume you aren't playing any Buckcherry material. Are people Buckcherry fans coming out to see you? Like, what is your fan base like?
2: Yeah, this tour is a co-headlining tour, so we're we're each doing an hour. Hinder and I. Oh, oh, okay. uh, Wow. Hinder and the Conflict. Um. Like, it is what it is. We've done everything. I've done every situation you can think of in rock music as far as <laughs> getting on stage and playing at whatever times and playing for 30 minutes or an hour and a half or a headliner or arena stage, club stage. It doesn't fucking matter to me, you know? I just go up there and and give it everything I have, you know? So that's all that matters. And we got a, we got a great... We have great songs on this record. This is so much fun to play live, so... Um, we're having a blast and and the the uh, we're getting the awareness out there so that everybody knows that this is a real thing, you know, because I think people are always tentative. They don't know like how serious you are about it. So we got to go out there and build a story. And like you said, it's uh, one stage at a time right now.
0: Yeah, no, totally, totally. I mean, an hour is a long time. I mean, your record clocks into like 35 minutes. <laughs> what are you doing to fill the time you play Buckcherry yeah, cherry stuff doing, at all or, or covers or we've
2: converted like some of the like stevie and i did a spray gun war uh ep and it oh, was yeah, all electronic yeah. stuff we created uh we uh, converted uh, some of those songs into conflict songs they're really great they're actually some of them go off more than the conflict stuff and and like omg and turn out the lights and fury we're doing live and then we wrote We have an unreleased track we're doing live called I Kill You, You Kill Me. It's fucking dope. And, uh, you know, we vamp out in some of the songs. Like, we we do some solo sections in Erotic City. It's really cool. And so we fill out the time. We're actually, we actually have been going over, you know, so we got to tame it back a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the co headlining thing's always like, I mean, uh, my band's done a, done a bunch of those too, and it's 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 never easy. You know what I mean? Like someone's yeah. always like bent out of shape about something. You know, it's yeah. it's uh, it's never easy. Hinder, are pretty cool guys though. Very nice people. Yeah. There you there you go. Uh, cool. And, and singing wise, I mean, you take the same approach. Like with with. The conflict, as you do with Buck Cherry, vocally, because you know this is the lead singer syndrome podcast. We we do talk about singing sometimes. Uh, so is it the same thing? I mean, I mean, like I said, when like right when we kick this off, you're like pretty much full on screaming, which isn't something that you've done a whole lot of in Buck Cherry. Um, is it different for you vocally? Do you have to do you have to warm up differently or anything? Or, or-
2: I'm not, I'm not really screaming. I'm only screaming in the chorus of. Uh year of the tiger and it's a controlled scream you know so um, okay i'm not really hitting my vocal cords really hard um what uh i do is i i do a lot of warm-ups um singing i have a lot of stuff that i do i mean a lot of it is um what singers don't know is uh a lot of singers don't know about diet you know and it affects oh, your yeah. voice you know so I make sure I don't eat uh, foods that give me acid reflux, which is like tomato-based foods and stuff like that. And I don't drink carbonated drinks. Um, I don't drink anything that's cold. So I, lukewarm water, it's, it's like the discipline that I have to do my as far as my regimen is, is pretty gnarly. Like That's so, crazy, yeah. You know, I do all that. Um, Of course, you know, you got to prepare your body for it, which is, uh, you know, I work out every day uh, to get my wind up. So a lot of cardio and all that. And then um, I go do it. You know, I always do warm ups and I warm down.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, no, I've never heard specifically about tomato based foods, but uh, it's actually funny because I suffer from acid reflux pretty badly and I probably should eat. Do you eat spicy food too?
2: Yeah, you got to get rid of all that, you know yeah. you don't, I mean, if you want to do like a spicy food Do it in the middle of the day Don't do it before you go to bed
0: Right, no, that's that's what I, I had to go to the doctor Because it was getting so bad for me And, and they told me They told me uh, Coffee, alcohol, spicy food Eating late at night And smoking And I was like, well, I don't smoke <laughs> But a four uh, out of five uh, Ain't great So I actually stopped drinking coffee And I haven't drank coffee in over a month now And it's actually helped a lot Yeah
2: I can't stop coffee, but uh, like, um,
0: (laughs) it was tough for me the first two weeks. I drink a lot of
2: water, I drink a lot of water, and I don't, um, I don't eat like three hours, four hours before I go to bed. So, you know, and, and I do a baking soda. Like, you just take a little baking soda, like a teaspoon of it, and put it in some water and do it every couple hours. You know, like if you feel you have a lot of, acid reflux that day. Really? And yeah, it's like a natural remedy for acid reflux.
0: That's totally crazy. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've actually never heard of that. So uh, go, what's- get a
2: bake- go get a baking soda box at the <laughs> supermarket and look on the back. Okay,
0: cool. Uh, that's great, man. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, I know you're on tour and stuff and you probably got all kinds of things going on. Um, but I do want to ask you what's coming up next. Uh, with this tour, with, with everything else, whatever's going on in your life. And, um, yeah, give me the rundown.
2: What's coming up is we're six weeks out here with Hinder and Waylon and, uh, Adeline is coming on this tour as well here pretty soon. And, um, we're riding this, uh, till like December 3rd then we're going home. Like I said, we got a one buck cherry show at a racetrack in Temecula for a Robbie Gordon event. It's going to be awesome. Uh, December 16th We're gonna do that And then we're gonna Break for the holidays Then Conflict Is back on tour February
0: Sounds awesome man That sounds awesome And uh, the new record People should check it out Cause it's great anyways But it also has A Prince cover uh, yes. Which is rad um, Tell me about that Really quick Thanks. What was the decision There for that song Obviously um, You know in, in his memory
2: Well you know We're huge Prince fans And when like Prince passed away It was like Devastating for Stevie and I You know we're like how can this happen i mean this is a guy i thought was going to really age gracefully and kind of have a have a very strong voice you know very late in his life and totally and uh it was it just blew me away and i think you know a whole nation and like so everybody and their mothers was doing prince songs live and so it just wasn't the time at that at that point in time we i was we wanted to do Something from like Nasty Prince because that's what the Prince we like.
0: So <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: we 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 just we took a swing at it. We didn't know like it's really hard to do a Prince song and make sure it's good because it's got to be great, you know. And and so you know the challenge was taking it and making it sound like a conflict song. And I think we did a good job with Absolutely.
0: it. Absolutely, I think so too. Well, Josh, thanks, thanks a lot for your time, man, and everything. And uh, have a great rest of the tour. And uh, thanks again. Awesome, man. Take care. You too. See ya. All the best. So there it is with Josh. Thank you so much to him for taking the time out of his tour schedule uh, to do it. They're on tour with Hinder. Um, You should hear me rip. Lips of an Angel for some karaoke I, I uh, Honey why you calling me I can really put that voice on very well So they're on tour now Check it out Also check out Josh Todd and the Conflict The record It's actually really really good um, I will leave you with a tune of that For sure in just a minute But before I go Please make sure you're subscribed to this thing. I don't want you missing some of the great episodes we have coming up. We have Dustin from Thrice, I think, next week. Maybe yeah, maybe I'll wait a week, but you never know when it's going to come up and when it's going to pop up on the feed. So I don't want you missing some of the great episodes. So just hit the subscribe button. And, of course, if you do like the show and you want to help us out, go to itunes and write a review preferably five stars that is another way we can help this thing grow and of course if you're a super fan you need more because let's be honest for some people what episode a week is just not enough check out the lead singer syndrome all access club again the link leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access here is a tune by josh himself This one's called Year of the Tiger. Here it is on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week.